We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Coachable Podcast, the go-to place for personal and spiritual development because around here, we believe that life is the ultimate training ground for finding out what you are truly made of. I'm your host, Tori Gordon, high-performance coach and breathwork facilitator, and each week I share intimate conversations and inspirational stories from some of the world's most successful people. It's time to stop standing on the sidelines of your life and get your head and your heart in the game. So take a seat, grab a pen, because you're going to want to take notes as we pull back the curtain on the tools, resources, and inspiration you need to unlock your inner champion. You guys, welcome back to the Coachable Podcast. I'm so glad, as always, that you're here for another episode and Another incredible guest, Andrew Wallace, the CEO and the founder of the School of Business Alchemy, is here to talk about how we can alchemize the experiences that we're going through in our own lives and in our own businesses and how we're not really stuck as, as as stuck as we think we are and and the power that we have to create our lives through intention so Andrew thank you so much for being here first of all and just taking time to share your wisdom and your knowledge uh, over 40 years of doing what you've been doing tell us a little bit about who you are and and what led to starting the school of business alchemy how how did you get here Okay, thank you, Tori. It's, it's a great pleasure to be on your show. Thank you for inviting me. So, um, I started out, I went into business, I, I had a degree of financial success quite quickly in business, and, and then I kind of hit a wall and uh, I was drinking too much, I was taking drugs, I was traveling around the world first class. I thought I was pretty cool, but actually, uh, I was hurting inside, I, I was not happy, I was not in a relationship. And so I'm very grateful for that time now because what happened is I went into therapy and I then trained as a therapist. I did a master's degree in psychology and I I went through a whole new education. And from that, I started working with individuals one-to-one for a period of about 10, 15 years. And then I went back into business Uh, and decided to apply the things that I'd learned and the uh, spiritual and psychological principles 
to companies. So I now work with individuals and companies uh, using the tools that I've gathered along the way. Mm, Yeah. And what are those primary principles or tools that you teach your clients to help them in their businesses? What are those those big things that that you teach? Well, there's some really big things. So and these are really, really simple, but the, the depth to which they go within us cannot be underestimated. So it seems to me that every life or every day is, is made up of millions of events. You know, we, we wake up, we get out of bed, we have a cup of tea, we have a shower, we, we put clothes on, we go to work, whatever the events are. And some of those events are uh, fairly mundane, some are medium and some are, you know, uh, very emotional or, or traumatic. But, but nonetheless, life is made up of all these events. And... I think there's only two choices about how we regard those events. The first one, which is the dominant zeitgeist in in North America and Europe, is that we see life as something that happens to us. So so we have a whole vocabulary and a whole uh, way of relating to each other, whereas, you know, the world goes into a recession or we have a virus called COVID or times are tough or she was dealt a difficult, difficult set of cards. But we communicate as if life is something that happens to us. And from that, I think we've become quite habitual and compulsive at complaining. We complain about what happens. Whereas the the other choice is that everything that happens in life is somehow supporting us. Life happens for us. Life happens to facilitate our evolution as human beings. And once we make that switch, and it's very, very difficult because we've been conditioned through our families, through schools, through education, uh, into this idea that life happens to us. And if that's really true, then we're simply a cork bobbing in an ocean. And, And I don't want to live that life, to be honest. So for me, I treat life as everything that's happening, even if it's uncomfortable, if, if we tend to label certain things bad and certain things good, but but everything in life, the, the, the things that have happened to me that I thought were the worst experiences have turned out to be the best and vice versa. So it, the first step for me is trying to enter into the idea that life is something that I'm aligned with and it's actually supporting my growth, supporting my evolution. And that's a huge thing. It really is. I was having a conversation with a client of mine uh, in the past week or two, and similar to, to your story and as well as mine, she was going through some really challenging challenging things. And we were talking about the the process that she's in right now of recognizing her ability to choose her perspective that Mm -hmm. this is happening to me or that that this is happening for me. And uh, for her, there was uh, events and circumstances that were very similar to past trauma or past things in her life that would have triggered uh, an unhealed wound. For example, um, a, a relationship or a friendship kind of dissolving and ending could have reinforced a belief that that people leave me, that people abandon me. Yeah. However, she had been intentionally doing work around really creating an, an environment for in her life for healing that's conducive for what she's really calling in, which is 
friendships that are aligned with what she wants, deeper, more meaningful intimacy and connection. And so when we were talking about this, she recognized that actually instead of this friendship ending and letting that mean that people leave me, I can actually choose to see it that that the universe is supporting me and helping me to align to the thing that that I desire most, which is deep intimacy and connection with the people in my life. And that's so powerful for people um, to hear that that we actually get to change the the perspective. And it's really like if we've seen through rose colored glasses forever, taking those off and seeing clearly that it doesn't, um, like we get to see it, that this is actually here to support us, um, in the thing that we're really trying to call into our life or for our highest good. And, and that is empowering and changes the game from victimhood into really being empowered and curious about why is this thing showing up in my life? How do you teach that to people, especially in business? Because I think a lot of times there are um, less than ideal events that we're all going through. And for, for some of us, we can think, oh, yeah, easy for you to say you're not living my life right now. This feels like, you know, I didn't choose this. This is came out of left field. This isn't happening for me. How do you how do you speak to your clients or, or teach people yeah, so in that situation? It, 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 it's a wonderful example that you've just given. And, and, and another example I use a lot in, in business and in individuals is, is I probably know 30 to 40 people that got cancer. Mm. And they would all say it's the best thing that's ever happened to them. But, but they weren't saying that when they were having chemotherapy, they were having surgery, their hair was falling out, they were vomiting a lot. So, so at the time, we often, that's not what the experience is. And, and certainly in business, to answer your question, you know, difficult things happen. And, and what I say to people is, look, you can sit around and complain about it, or you can sit around and feel, uh, uh, you know, sorry for yourself for, for two minutes or two hours, two days, two weeks or two months. Some people sit around for 25 years feeling that, that they never get over a particular trauma. And the thing is, difficult things have happened in my life. You know, as a young boy, I was physically beaten every day. These are not pleasant things. But but staying in a place where you, you, you don't let go of the victimhood, as you put it, or, or the fact that something horrible has happened to me, it's how can I transform that situation to my own advantage? And it, it, this is something I do all the time. And I think it's possible for businesses. And, and a classic example right now is, you know, the business world has undergone a major shock and, and it's had a very difficult time. And, and what we know is some of those businesses have thrived and have readapted and have created new models and they're actually flying in the current scenario. Other businesses um, are in desperate trouble and they're, and they're um, you know, maybe their whole business is being threatened and there's a lot in the, in the middle. And, and for me, the biggest factor as how your business transforms what's happening in the outer world is to what extent you're willing to ride the wave and say, how do we reinvent ourselves? How do we change who we are um, in order to fit in with what is happening? And that's the opportunity. That's what evolution is. That's what adaptation is. And so I talk to businesses about this all the time and individuals. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's really revealing those of us who are really attached to the way things have been, our attachment to the way we've always done things, whether that's in our business or in our personal lives. And life is is asking and requiring us to to be flexible, to change, to adapt and evolve, as you said. And those who are more willing to to do that are going to experience less friction and suffering. If we can say, hey, let's, exactly. let's innovate and let's see where is the industry of the market? What is it requiring of us? Or what are what are our employees needing that they, you know, that they really need now that maybe we weren't considering a year or two ago? Um, is that what you see is the biggest uh going to be the biggest indicator for business success going forward those that can really uh, adapt and evolve yes i think this is one of the most important there's there's a wonderful henry ford quote and and he said if i'd asked people what they wanted they would have said faster horses And, and you know we have a tendency right now there's a lot of talk about people want to get back to flying around the world all the time. People want to get back to what they were used to. But actually, what is required in life is, 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 is to think differently, is to adapt, to create something in a different way. The, the other factor, which is, is very much a big, big picture thing, is I remember 20, 25 years ago reflecting on the fact that in, in all the great religions of the world, the devil or Satan or Lucifer was personified as the lie, the lie. And I thought that was very appropriate. And I sat and I spent a bit of time thinking about what is the biggest lie of human existence or what is the biggest lie of the human species? And the answer I came up with then, I've never changed. Well, what do you think the biggest lie is, Tori? Um, Fear. Fear. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good answer. I mean, there's lots of possible answers. Some people say greed, all sorts of mm-hmm. things. But for me, the biggest lie of human experience is, is the thought or the idea that something outside of me can make me happy. Mm-hmm. So it's the idea that the bigger house can make me happy or, or, or the bigger car or the next relationship or the next job right. or the next country. And, you know, we, we talk about this and there is a certain awareness around this. And yet... The level to which we want to blame something outside of us is pernicious. It's there every day. I mean, I, I've known this for 20 years, and I still, if I'm awake enough, I catch myself thinking my wife should make me happy. Mm-hmm. You know, my wife cannot make me happy. I absolutely know that. I cannot make her happy. So we have to give up. We have to begin to let go of this idea that if the stock market's soaring, if, if everything's rosy, I can be happy. Right. Because it's got nothing to do with the outside world. Right. And the moment we do that, we begin to take a different kind of responsibility for our lives. Yeah. And if you listen to the conversation around us, you know, I want my friends to pick me up and say, hang on, Andrew, why are you blaming that? We need to help each other to take responsibility for our own life and how we're evolving, how, whether it's in business or in relationship. As you know, in relationship, we spend a lifetime blaming the other person, mm-hmm. but it's a dead end. Mm-hmm. It's a complete dead end. Yeah, you're so right. I think unconsciously we're always looking to who we can blame because taking personal responsibility for our results ultimately um, is can 
can be a hard pill to swallow, especially if we're not in a place in our business or in our lives that we're really excited about or proud of. And it's much easier to blame God or to blame the government or to blame your parents or blame your ex and say, it's their fault. And, and, and I'm suffering or I'm, I'm not where I thought I would be because of that. And, and it's, it really is what you're speaking of is that hamster wheel of life that so many are running on and exhausted by. And I personally did for many years, you know, I thought I could find uh, peace and, and happiness in, in money and in a job and promotions and achievements only to find that when I had checked so many of those boxes, I still felt that emptiness. And, and that was what, um, when it occurred to me that the the thing that I was searching for was not necessarily an accolade or, uh, or an achievement. It was a feeling so often the things that, that we have our sights set on in terms of the goals that we set for ourselves of wanting to make certain amount of money or get married. Why do we want those things? Well, we want it because the feeling that we think it's, we think it's going to give us. And oftentimes maybe we, we feel good in the moment, but that it's, it's, it doesn't last long. And then we're on to the next thing. And so Peter Crone, um, uh, somebody who I, I love his work, he says, true happiness is the absence of the search for happiness. Yes. I agree with that. If you can really get that. And for those listening, it's like, when we stop thinking that we have to perfect our circumstances in order to be happy, but how can I, my peace, my joy, my happiness come from somewhere inside of me that says, despite what my circumstances are, Mm -hmm. I am still rooted and grounded in, in, um, those feelings that don't come from outside of me. They come from within me. And what is that? Where do we start in that journey? Especially for, for those of us who, our type A uh, creators, we, we think we're all about, you know, doing the next big thing, whether that's in business or in our personal lives. How do we detach from that, that need to, to achieve and find the inner world of fulfillment? Well, I, I think the first starting point is always responsibility. So it's taking responsibility. The second one is to really understand that we don't have to make it happen. We, we you know, type A people in particular, they're, they're trying to make it happen all the time. And in trying to make it happen, they're trying to control what's outside of them. And, and that's an exhausting business, as we all know. I've been there. I've done it. So we, we have to give up wanting to control everything around us and and to build a different relationship between the inner and outer world and then the third element is to begin to inquire within to actually understand what's happening within us because we we, we live in cultures where again we've created cultures where the external world is, is, is the dominant factor. We think the external world is more real than the internal world. Whereas, in fact, many cultures have understood that the outer world is much more of a reflection of the inner world. And, in fact, science tells us this because if 10 of us line up and watch an event, we, we're all seeing that event through a filter and we're projecting our own self onto that event. So there's no such thing as, as pure reality or one-dimensional reality. So it's beginning to see how do I view the world? 
how do I view women? How do I view men? How do I view success? How do I view failure? Is to begin to understand my own filter and my own projector. Because it's, it's the world I see is different to the world you see and so on. And once you understand that, you can begin to tilt, you can begin to slightly alter the inner filter and projector. And that's when you start creating and seeing a different world. And that's the key to contentment. It's the key to intimacy. It's the key to all things, really. It's the key to success in business. Stop giving external factors over which you have no control responsibility for your life or your business Mm -hmm. yeah so what I'm hearing you say too is when we look out at the world and maybe what we focus on and what we 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 see a lot of is maybe a lack of of resources or uh, or opportunities or maybe there's somebody listening to this who's like I want to get a new job but I apply for all the jobs and no one returns my call or I never get an interview that that really is an a reflection of an internal state of being or seeing the world and if we want to begin to see something different um i think it's wayne dyer who says when you change the way you look at things the things you look at change yes exactly so the external world is really going to start to evolve as we do internally where does intention come into this conversation well it's very central for me because one of the things i've been saying for about 20 years is that nothing exists in the universe without intention absolutely nothing so the house you live in doesn't exist without intention the the car you drive um, the podcast that you've created doesn't exist without intention the clothes you're wearing nothing exists without intention and I've been saying that to very varied groups and I always invite people if you don't think that's true please tell me and nobody says no I think that's rubbish so what I say is look if, if nothing exists without intention wouldn't it um help us if we spent time reflecting on the power of intention reflecting what is intention and for me intention is not very well understood so we're all familiar with things like goal setting in our personal lives or our business we might be familiar with affirmations and various other things Um, we live in a society that's very mind dominated And the business community uh, is very left brain dominated. So the left brain is rational, it's logical, it's analytical, and it's very, very linear. And what we're doing is we're running our lives on 50% of our brain and on the mind. Whereas intention for me is an inner impulse. It's an inner impulse in the body and it involves the left brain, the right brain, the heart and the gut. So so one of the things that's beginning, just beginning to come back over the last sort of five years or so is we're beginning to trust gut instinct again. For a long time, gut instinct has been ignored. Intuition is ignored. Uh, We all have intuition. You know, women probably have a a greater ease with intuition uh, than than men. But but most mothers have the experience of knowing their child is in danger, even though they're around three different corners and they're out of sight. But we all have that. 
And we have to train ourselves to start trusting that inner impulse again, rather than relying on external experts. So in terms of creating intention, and I meet a lot of individuals and a lot of businesses that have never really spent time reflecting on intention. So the first thing is, is, is just agree with yourself. I'm going to take a little bit of time and space to reflect upon intention. And intention starts with listening to myself, listening to my body, listening to my heart, listening to my gut. You know, what is my passion? Passion comes from the gut. It doesn't come from the brain. Mm -hmm. So you begin to listen and, and then you begin to reflect and articulate. And the more it's like everything else in life, you, you know, enthusiasm is infectious. Misery is infectious. The more you support misery, the more infectious it becomes. Mm. Same with enthusiasm. So the more you reflect on your intention and you begin to put words to it, then suddenly it releases its own energy and you end up with thinking, actually, you know, what, what my passion is to write poetry or my passion is to make $10 million or whatever it is. You know, you begin to explore what it is you truly want to do from the inside out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is spot on. And when I think about my own business, this podcast, um, the success that we've had uh, here over the last few years since we began our work, it really started uh, with an intention personally to, to share the experiences that I was having on, on a show. And then as, as that blossomed, there were times where in my business, I was trying to create from a place of, uh, of confusion. Really, I hadn't taken the proper time to really get clear about what is my intention? Who are we serving? What problem do we solve for people? How do we, we, we uniquely solve that in a, in a way? What is the transformation or the experience we want people to have? And if we don't, especially as business owners, take that and time and check back in with, are we still creating from that place of intention? Then a lot of, in my experience, what I created was just, um, things that I thought I was supposed to do things. I thought, um, <laughs> Oh, well, that's what someone, so someone else is doing. So <laughs> I'm going to create that. Right. And, and it, it felt, um, I could sense in my body that it was not right. And that's that yeah. intuitive. It was out of alignment. And the way I describe yeah. it for people um, that I work with, it's like, if you have, if you're out of alignment, you need to go to the chiropractor, you know, and you need yeah. to get adjusted. And that adjustment period happens in that, that time that we really consider <laughs> the, why do we, why are we doing this? And why is this important to us? And I don't think enough businesses, enough authors, enough uh, leaders take the time to think about that. How do I want my employees to feel coming to work every day? Like, what what are we really about? And then you think about the businesses that do make an impression on you. You think about the, the companies that you, maybe you have worked for that had an amazing company culture. You know, that doesn't happen by accident. They no. have intentionally thought about and curated an environment for that to happen within. And I just so agree with you that it is that fundamental place that if we just take the time to ask ourselves, what do I want to create? That is 
the the seed that gets to be planted that gets to grow and it takes on an energy and a life of its own and enabling you to do that exactly and, and like you tori alignment is a huge word for me so it starts with intention and then you need to create alignment with the intention so there's a lot of people who create intention the, the obvious example might be in january you say i create an intention i'm going to get fit yep. uh, and you go to the gym two or three times and then you stop going so there's no alignment with the intention and of course you never get fit right. and, and that can apply to lots of examples so what we need to do is, is reflect on the intention and then create alignment with the in, intention and how do we know if we're in alignment or not your body will tell you just as your body told you it's the same when we listen to the body it's a much more reliable biofeedback uh, mechanism than the mind because the mind will tell us whatever we want to know okay. so we create the alignment and then just as as you were saying uh, earlier about happiness is that you, you have intention, then you have alignment. Then what happens is what I call synchronicity because it's like the universe meets you. And, and, and the reality that you're seeking to create comes about in fairly effortless ways. And, and when I say it's like happiness, is over the last 30 years, I, I've sat with an awful lot of people that are searching for happiness. And they have one thing in common. They're all miserable. You know, happiness is a byproduct of certain other things. Right. And, and it's like uh, synchronicity or creating the life we want is a byproduct of, of reflecting on the intention and then really creating alignment. If you do those two things, you will create a different life. Mm. It's, I've seen this time and time again with individuals. I've seen it in my own life and I've seen it with businesses, big businesses. Yeah, yeah. And for those that are maybe wrestling with the question, how do I discern the difference between alignment and, and um, the fear that comes from acting on an intention and maybe the resistance that comes of doing something different, stepping into the unknown and the fear that comes from my mind, right? That, that, yeah. that really keeps us where we are, keeps us stuck in, in patterns of survival. Um, how do you answer that for people who might feel uh, like, okay, is this fear because I'm stepping into the new and doing actually aligning with my intention and that feels new and different? Or is it fear that's generated from my mind that wants to keep me where I am? It's a great question. And of course, all of us get caught up in that. And I think that the, the simplest uh, way through that is to differentiate between the mind and the body. Yeah. Because 95% um, of fear comes from the mind. And, and right now, you know, we're living in a society where there's a huge amount of collective fear. There's fear everywhere. And, and the fear, you know, gets magnified. But it, it's fear that's coming from the mind. It's from our thinking. Mm -hmm. and, and so when we're looking at alignment, if, if we take the time to step back and pause and take two or three deep breaths, breathe into our belly or breathe into our chest, breathe into our heart, it, it, it's the breath in the body. And if we listen to the body, we get a feeling of alignment. We get a feeling of uh, 
um, you know, the body feels peaceful. It feels, yes, in harmony with what I want to do. Now, when we stand up and we go into the next room, the fear might start in the mind. Oh, what if, what if? And, and so learning that distinction is really important because the mind, in my experience, will always throw up anxieties and doubts and I can't do this or you shouldn't do this. But that's the mind being the mind. Right. What we need to do is to really listen deeply within. And as you know, Tori, the more we practice that, the easier it becomes. The more we practice it, the more natural it feels. And this is our natural way of being, actually. Yeah. As yeah. people people have often said, you know, some of the greatest teachers we have along the way are animals. So so I, I have two little dogs and I wake them up at six o'clock every morning and they are ecstatic to see me. I mean they go bizarre. They mm-hmm. and I think, what's wrong with you? You saw me ten hours ago, <laughs> you know. But they have that natural way of being. They're not living in fear. But you know, once or twice a day, if they feel under threat, they feel the fear and they'll let you know. And, and that's sort of healthy fear. If, if there was a wild tiger in the room now, fear would be the most natural, appropriate response. Sure. But, but 95% of the time, it's just generated in our mind. Yeah. And I think that's why our minds really are our biggest block to transformation and understanding that we don't have to believe every thought that we have. Right. We, we should, we shouldn't, we should question them. We should, we should consider what is this saying to me? Because again, as, as you're saying, Andrew, mind, uh, fear exists in the mind. And if we want to get reconnected to our intuition, we have to reestablish our relationship to our body. And for me personally, that is a process and it took time of uh, somatic practices like breath work to help me kind of quiet the mind that was so active and and so on high alert it was conditioned to be uh, very hyper aware and so actually allowing the the body and my nervous system to calm down and get into a state of of openness could i actually hear myself and and when i say hear myself i don't mean hear my hear all the thoughts and the chatter but actually sense um sense a, f- a felt sense of of alignment of this is a yes in my body or this is a no in my body and I think for those listening, that's so incredibly helpful when they're maybe facing a choice or a decision and saying, hey, is this my intuition saying that this is um, not something I should pursue or is this my fear-based mind saying that? And sometimes I, I, I've been through a very similar process to you, Tori, and I, I'm still very much learning every day. But, but sometimes we need a friend or someone to sit alongside us in these moments early on to just reflect back to us what's happening in our body or what's happening so we can see, yeah, my, right now I feel completely at peace with myself. Uh, and, and in that moment, there's an alignment between what I'm saying or my body is saying, actually, it's flipping out and it's saying that that's the last thing you need to do right now. But the body will tell you. And, and another sort of portal into this, which I think is remarkably simple, but it, it's very difficult for us to fully uh, grasp, 
it, it is right now, I think, probably more than at any other time in history, there's this raging pandemic, which, which I call the pandemic of disconnection. We're, we're more disconnected from ourselves and each other than we've ever been before. And in my lifetime, we created this thing called the internet. <laughs> and I, I don't know for sure, I'm not talking about left brain metrics, but my intuitive sense is that the in, the internet connects up two or three billion people, but it probably creates more disconnection than connection on the whole. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, we have a massive, massive problem with pornography, with young people. All of that is the internet. Right. And, and where we need to start is all of us are fairly disconnected from our bodies in one way or another, because we haven't been taught, like some cultures are, to listen to our bodies on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. So the reconnection, you know, we go out, we try to connect with other people and guess what? It's messy. It's, you know, it's, it's not pretty. But if we learn to connect with ourselves on a bodily basis, and, and it takes time, as you said, it takes a little bit of time, a little bit of patience. Then we begin to connect with other people in a very authentic way, in an aligned way. Uh, and, and we want more connection in our lives. Once we feel more connection, we'll make the much better decisions in business and in our personal lives. That bad decisions come from a state of disconnection. Right. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you. And um, having that support system, whether it's a friend or a therapist or a coach, to just validate the the shift that you're feeling because they can be so subtle in our in our bodies yeah. you know and they're new um is so important and, and that's a lot of the work that we're committed to at coachable and i know you are as well um what do you think uh, for those who are business owners leaders entrepreneurs that listen to this show what's really important um for those listening when it comes to building mission mission driven work um to to create um workplaces that are have great company culture and have a high level of you know morale and staff motivation um in terms of retention and happiness in the workplace what do you say to those people who might be struggling with with keeping employees or keeping up morale given all the things that we've experienced in the last year or so um in in our businesses how do we how do we kind of navigate that yeah it's it's a great question there's a a lot of talk about leadership now Mm -hmm. And, and and from my experience i think the models of leadership that we've grown up with in the world and indeed the models of leadership we have now are deeply flawed and very faulty. So the the old model of leadership is that one person, normally a white man, but one person told other people what to do. And there's an awful lot of leadership in the world where that still goes on. One person gets to tell everyone else what to do. And that's broken. And so for me, leadership starts with, with someone being willing to be authentic, which means they're authentically vulnerable, um, they're human, they don't know the answers to everything. I, I, I'm waiting for the day when a politician anywhere stands up and says, I don't know, you know I don't know what to do. But we're, we're trained that it's not okay to say, I don't know. And right. business leaders 
need to say, I don't know. I've got no idea. Let's sit around and let's explore everything. And then at the end of the day, the CEO or whoever, it is up to him or her to make a decision. But you arrive at that in a different way. And you arrive at it from a point of view of, I don't know right now. We need to explore this. We need to reflect upon it. And, and when individuals see a leader that is willing to not know, is willing to be vulnerable, is willing to make mistakes, is willing to learn from mistakes, th then it has an amazing effect on other people because it gives them permission to make mistakes. It gives them permission to think within. And, and from that place, I think that, that the greatest thing we most need to learn in business is the depth of our own inner wisdom. Stop looking out there at what the experts say. Stop reading the books and, and just spend a little bit of time sitting with ourselves and allowing different thoughts to come out. When I sit in meetings or I, I, I do a day with a, a company, I'm, I'm always gobsmacked by how somebody sits there and says something innocently. And it's just, it, it, it's the, probably the wisest thing from the day. It's just full of wisdom. It's just come from within. And people who are brave enough to say something that might be foolish or might make, not make sense, again, it gives other people permission just to allow that wisdom to come up. Right. Because that's where, you know, there was a, a wonderful poet called Rumi, R-U-M-I. He was a, I'm sure you've heard of him. But he, I think he's the greatest poet. But he said, you know, when I was young, I sought to change the world. Now I am wise. I seek to change myself. And, and it's listening to ourselves, listening to what comes up, listening to our own inner wisdom that is going to change the world in a profound way. Mm, yeah, I love that perspective on leadership because... If we really want to teach our audience, our customers, our staff, anything, we have to demonstrate it first. Um, and yeah. I think that really is what it means to be a teacher is to be a demonstrator of the work. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why there feels so often a gap between um, what we see as leadership maybe in politics as opposed to, to maybe the, what we see in our schools or our, our, the people in our um, communities that feel like so much more leaders um, because sometimes we don't see the demonstration of saying, hey, um, I don't have all the answers. Um, and the expectation we unconsciously adapt or adopt is I should know it all. I sh and it's not, it's not okay to have questions. It's not okay to not know the right answer. Um, and so we, we don't raise our hand when given the opportunity to speak yeah. up and to yeah. share our voice and to share our ideas. And, and so we miss out on so many, uh, creative, important voices, uh, and, and messages that need to be shared. And so I love that you're bringing us back to that piece of, of vulnerability and saying collectively, let's, let's unite to come up with like listen to all perspectives and see what what works best and yes of course leaders have to make decisions uh, a lot of times and have to be responsible for those choices but um I really believe and I like to believe that we're all doing the best we can with what we know uh however it's not always easy easy to believe sometimes when you see you know certain things playing out um but I, I do believe at the level of awareness that we all have, uh, we're doing the best we can. And so it's, it's episodes, uh, experts, wisdom like this that helps to uh, 
enliven and illuminate the places where we might be, um, you know, carrying on these paradigms and, and these belief systems that say, hey, it's it's not okay to not know the answer or it's not okay to be vulnerable or to, to say when you don't know. Actually, that's um, so important in, in creating cultures where um, cultures that are innovative because <laughs> we're not going to innovate if we don't fail and try new things, exactly. new things we've never done before. And, and another element of this, that there's a module that I sometimes teach uh, on the power of not knowing. And I genuinely believe that not knowing is a much more powerful position than knowing. Because once we think we know, we've closed down a whole lot of other options. But when you're in that position of not knowing, anything is possible. It's, it's a little bit like if, you, if you've got um, a blank canvas um, it, it, it's more powerful than if you've got an artist like Rembrandt. I mean, I love Rembrandt's work. I love Picasso's work. You, someone has painted it. It can't be anything else. It might be a great painting, but if you've got a blank canvas, it can be anything you want it to. So sitting in that place of not knowing is immensely powerful because you can come to any decision you want. Whereas when we go into meetings, a lot of leaders walk into meetings, they walk into discussions, and they've already made their mind up. Right. So we're so welcoming. So there's a weakness. Right. It's, it's all of a sudden we're open to possibility. Yeah. When we say we don't exactly. know. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, so important. Um, I think the other thing I wanted to really understand from your work is um, how do we start to bridge the gap between a disconnected world um, to connected selves, first of all, because I think if we want to um, connect with others, we can't do so from a place of disconnection from our own self, truly. So um, on an individual and a collective kind of scale, how do we start to, um, as organizations, as people, as communities, uh, bridge the divide? And in terms of the disconnection and, and really so getting reconnected together. Yeah, yeah, I think it starts with connection with the body and we've, we've talked about that. So, so the other thing that we all have as individuals and we have it as a society or as a culture, we have it as a company, we have an image. And companies spend huge amounts of money um, on their image and promoting their image. And, and one of the things I say for an individual or a company or country, the bigger the gap between the image and the reality, the bigger the problem. The bigger the gap between the image and the uh, reality, the bigger the problem. So, so the second stage, if we want to be more connected with ourselves, we have to be willing to give up the image. You know, I might have an image of myself as someone who's charming and, and compassionate and kind, da, 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 da. But, but if I'm feeling uh, grouchy or if I'm feeling fearful or if I'm feeling moody, just be honest about it. Because the moment I'm honest or authentic with what's actually happening in this minute, I'm more connected with myself. The more I'm trying to... Um, uh, smooth the image and, and pretend I'm someone I'm not, the more disconnected I am from myself. And the thing is that there's, there's parts of me that are ugly. There's parts of me that are not very nice. 
and and in my relationships with 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 my wife with my children i try to make them much more available and, and this is not about permission to to not be nice to other people it's just being honest about my thoughts or my feelings or gosh i felt really envious of that person or uh, i really didn't like that person i'm so judgmental it, it, and then just move on it, it's about connecting more to what's actually going on me and being real in the day in front of other people and I, I remember once in a, in a workshop with a, with a company I was sort of talking away and pontificating and I just stopped and I said I, I've got no idea what I'm saying now I just don't know if I believe it or not I just feel like a fraud and, and it just opened up this whole discussion where people acknowledge how they feel like a fraud in certain situations and we just all felt so connected because it just starts with one person being willing to say yeah I feel like that too yeah it's that's so 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 important because it's the difference between um you know, slapping a everything's amazing persona on you know this mask that a lot of us wear is everything's fine everything's great when it's not you know and um I say fine means feelings internally not expressed. So anytime yeah, I catch yeah. myself saying I'm fine, it's, <laughs> it's an indicator for me to go back and revisit my answer and say, what really am I feeling? And a lot of time, it, a lot of times it is to um, maintain an image that I think I'm supposed to be, that I, I'm yeah. supposed to be strong or I'm supposed to have it all together. I'm supposed to know the answer. Um, in moments where I don't, uh, allowing myself to just really be honest and be with the truth of what is, as opposed to, uh, being so attached to who I think I'm supposed to be in this moment and fear of judgment. Because if they really knew, if they really knew me, if they really knew what I was feeling, then, um, they wouldn't like me or they wouldn't respect me. It's oftentimes, that's the thing that um, helps people to acknowledge, oh, they're human, them too. It's not just me. Um, and that leads to the connection that so often uh, we're, we're desiring and we're wanting to cultivate more of. Uh, but it, it starts with that, that vulnerability and the willingness sometimes to go first and to be the person that um, kind of leaves the blazes the trail for other people to, to do the same. Um, these are such important uh, topics and, and points of discussions and ultimately principles that you teach from, from intention to alignment to, to leadership um, and what it really means to live that out and to embody that work, not just to talk the talk, but to walk the walk and to let your body and your mission and your business be a representation and a reflection of the work you've done internally. Uh, this is so important and these are things I know people will take away how can uh, people stay connected with you if they want to know more about your work uh, maybe they're um, a business owner and they want to get uh, more information what's the best way for them to to know more uh, I think probably uh, the website and andrewwallace.org and it's w-a-l-l-a-s 
.org. Yes. And there's quite a lot of material. There's there's meditations, there's talks, there's audios, there's, there's a range of uh, stuff there. Uh, and on YouTube also, there's, there's videos and things. Amazing resources, you guys. Make sure you go check it out. Uh, Andrew Wallace, thank you for your work. Thank you for your contribution to the world and ultimately for starting you know, starting right at home with yourself first. And all of this is a reflection of that, um, which I, I so appreciate, relate to, and uh, it's, it's life-changing, business-changing work. So thank you for coming on and teaching us a little about uh, how we can be more intentional um, and connected in our own lives and businesses. Um, we appreciate you. You guys, you know what to do. If this, uh, this episode speaks to you, we want to know about it. We want to hear from you and tell us uh, what it is that you took away. We, we would encourage you to take a screenshot, tag me on, on social media. You can find Andrew on LinkedIn as well. Um, and we will make sure in the show notes to link to his, um, his website that you can find that super easily. And if you're you're looking for a community of people to do this work with, to uh, to kind of walk hand in hand with you through this journey of uh, really embodied conscious leadership. That's what we do here at Coachable um, and in the Coachable University program. So make sure as we start open and early enrollment for that program starting in 2022, uh, the doors are getting ready to open. So check out more information on that in the coming weeks at ToriGordon.com. I love you. Thank you for being here and we'll see you next week on the Coachable Podcast. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.